0: In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash climb. the field people will come and it doesn't happen you have to
1: look at how you're doing business
0: hello and welcome to White Sox business the white Sox podcast that is recording this episode on Memorial Day which means you better be listening on Memorial Day because what in the hell else would you do on your Memorial Day that's better than listen to a white Sox podcast
1: Read a 2,000 word mailbag
0: no uh-huh. no all you want to do on your Memorial Day is listen to White Sox business and frankly James, no offense to you and your mailbag, but that doesn't just go for Memorial Day, but any day
1: of the year. Well, I got a loyal bag business. here for you, buddy. Wow.
0: wow. James, are you a loyal business? Because loyal business would know that this is not a podcast, <laughs> it's a
1: way of life. After the hour recording process, I usually don't listen to the show too often, to be honest.
0: <laughs> 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 ah, I, I'm, I'm Tom Brunelli, and uh, joining me today talking to us already from his North side layer in the sky is the athletics White Sox writer I call you writer and not beat reporter now because there's currently no beat to cover uh, James found to say <laughs> James uh, I, I don't know if you know this or if it's been mentioned to you but today is Memorial Day. Uh, Memorial Day and looking at the holiday from a baseball standpoint that means we've reached a point of the year when normally we'd have a much better idea of where everybody stands so I ask you, to look into a parallel universe where baseball's being played, and tell me where the White Sox would have been right now.
1: I have no idea. Like, um, you know, like when you're playing out of the park baseball, uh, which I didn't do very much beyond this one time because it made me very mad. But like, your players are all sucking, um, mm-hmm. for like reasons that seem like completely BS to you at the time, or they have like completely like absurd injuries. And, like, when they come up in a simulation, they just assume, like, well, that would never happen. That's not what we expect from that guy. Like, Ronaldo Lopez wouldn't have a 6 ERA just for no reason. Like, this, this is gibberish. Like, I, I think the the baseball reference out of the park sim, like, Ronaldo Lopez has a 6 ERA, and, but he has, like, a 35 to 2 strikeout to walk ratio somehow. That makes sense. So, like, it feels absurd at the time. But when you actually live through the moment, even though these absurd things – they, they make sense because you, you watch them progress to happen. So like I was recapping I was writing a piece that's talking about the 2008 season and I have to get to the point where I say oh yeah, the would-be MVP candidacy of Carlos Quentin was felled by a self-induced broken wrist. And that's an absurd thing but like we all live through it and we know it's a thing that happened. It doesn't seem like it's out of this plane. But like if I was playing it out of the park uh, sim and they just said like Carlos, your MVP season of Carlos Quinton, like ended cuz he hit his bat and broke his wrist. You'd be like, "What the hell? The game just screwed me over." So I don't know like what weird ass thing would have happened to the White Sox by now, but I assume they'd be like 5 games over 500 and in third place. Yeah, we would we would firmly be sitting there telling ourselves we are in the wild card race. But the way they got there would be in like in some way that only is normal to us had we experienced the two months of the season.
0: Mhm. you know that was a good answer. It was also a long answer and <laughs> The simple answer would have just been in Baltimore because that's they would have been starting a four. We're on Baltimore. Series in Baltimore today. That's that's where they would have been. But yeah, I just it's it's one of those things. It's like I woke up today and it's every day. You know, it's like you know we I knew we'd have to record this. But it was just—it's one of those situations where it's like shit, you know. Memorial Day—it's—it's a holiday, but it's also, as far as for a baseball fan, it is that kind of point in the year where, you know, think crazy things happen in April, like you know, a bad team can start off really hot, and then May kind of usually exposes them for the most part. So even though it's not always the answer, it's just by the end of May or by that Memorial Day weekend, we tend to have a good idea of who's probably going to be good and who's probably not going to be good, and the next few months really separate them so yeah it's it's one of those milestone or those mile markers in the season that not having baseball yet just kind of like you know if you weren't already sad it just made it a little sadder for me this morning
1: wow great uh yeah tell me
0: it's gonna be okay i I
1: definitely feel full of purpose in life and uh definitely just extremely motivated to continue cranking these out twice a week with all those subject matter (laughs) we have
0: Hey, but th- as you've already gone over, it's at least you don't have to listen to them too, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, we do uh, something has to spike the numbers
0: <laughs> uh so uh yeah, it's there are there is some good news that kind of broke late last week, although good in context or in the proper context compared to situation we're in, it's not really good news, but based on what we have going on uh the white sox announced that they're one of the teams who will not be cutting any of their full-time staffers through at least June 30th. They're going to keep them full salary, full benefits, joining teams like the Twins, Cardinals, Orioles, Tigers, and Phillies. And that's a big thing simply because that's that's not happening everywhere
1: else. Yeah. Uh, well, most notably in Anaheim.
0: <laughs> yeah. Where the Angels have basically decided, you know what? Let's just fire everybody. Well we won't have it. Well uh Artie Marino's like, I'll do the draft by myself. I'll manage the team, I'll hit, I'll pitch, I'll do all that stuff. I don't need to pay anybody anymore right now.
1: We we will just um we're gonna furlough all the area scouts who have been putting work together for this draft this entire time, even though baseball pause, the draft is having coming on the same date, so you guys are gonna have to see, keep working the entire time, even though you can't travel. And uh, then we'll have cross checkers around. You guys will be able to hold it down and still run the draft and make decisions. But immediately once you're done with that draft, we're furloughing you too. So yeah, work hard, do the best you can, um, go get them. But yeah, there are other there, there are other teams that have uh, gone to this length of furloughing and are um, having pay cuts, just like the Cubs are having. Which mm-hmm. you know, all things considered, given the other teams that furloughed or made firings, um, the the Cubs just doing a pay cut system is probably better than other possibilities. But, yeah, the and the White Sox are not as great as maybe some team that have already committed through the season. They're um, retaining everybody. They said that they're kind of going to this on a month-to-month basis, which uh, on a certain degree just makes sense because who knows what the hell is happening month-to-month. Um, but, yeah, uh, probably better to work with the White Sox than the Angels would be my my broad conclusion.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I think that by doing it through June thirtieth, in a way, you're just kind of saying to yourself, "Hey, maybe we'll actually have baseball right. coming by the time we get to the end of June." So you don't want to. Let's not know, map ha-
1: out a plan based when you know our world could entirely change. Mm-hmm. In, in so
0: yeah, way. it's 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 weird to just. I, I I can understand the desire not to be like, all right, we're just going to do it through the whole season. When it's like you don't know what next week's going to bring, let alone you know the whole season. So you don't want to paint yourself into a corner i guess but it is to me i mean you mentioned like the cubs are cutting salaries but they're not you know at least as far as we know they haven't furloughed or released any full-time employees uh the blackhawks have kind of furloughed some people you know done that kind of thing and it's just weird because you think of the way that ownership is viewed by sports fans when they look at the owners of their teams they look at it more from the what are you doing to help my team win games like perspective that you would expect but when, when you go through something like this and you see what Artie Moreno, who spends a ton of money, as far as payroll is concerned, on the Angels, you know, with the, you know, Trout, the Pujols contract, he's bring, brought in an update. He's brought in a whole bunch of guys to try Rendon. to, you know, buy. Yeah, Rendon. He spends a lot of money. And now he's, you know, letting everybody go the minute the things go wrong. Whereas Jerry Reinsdorf, who maybe doesn't spend as much money as we want on the team – at least, if you is the owner, as far as the people who work for him, I bet most people would probably think that Jerry Reinsdorf's a better owner than Artie Moreno right now.
1: The rainy day that he's seemingly always preparing for and being conservative has now finally come uh, in mm-hmm. full force.
0: Yeah, so it's just weird that's it's it's one of those things that where something like this happens and it kind of just paints things in a different perspective and shows you things you didn't really consider before. Uh, so yeah, but there's the White Sox keeping through June. I'm hoping that. By the time July 1st hits, we'll maybe not have baseball, but we'll at least know that there's a start date. Uh, as we enter the week, the owners are, isn't it this week they're going to put in their new plans yes. for the players? Yeah.
1: There's proposal swapping and, you know, ducking the whole revenue share after floating it publicly for a couple of weeks and probably shifting to deferrals and probably get right, a well, lot more warm reception than maybe that would have gotten if they just presented that first.
0: Given, given your background as a labor relations lawyer, <laughs> all right. How long, how long until we've got an agreement here and, and we're ready to move forward?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked because uh, when I was 17, I went to an, uh, a a summer, not a summer class at Notre Dame that was pre-law, and I'm wearing that like extremely 16 year old t-shirt that has multiple holes in it right now so i'm a perfect i'm in lawyer mode
0: yeah i could see your shirt that's why i asked you i don't know if you realize but you've got your video on
1: uh that's very intentional i keep it on even when like i'm not at the computer just so i can like walk across and people can catch me like coming out of the shower getting some out of the fridge it's it's a separate revenue stream um I would, I would think it wouldn't take his
0: fans only or whatever the hell (laughs) (laughs) only fans. What is it? I don't know. It's whatever the Instagram models have.
1: Well, the more you admit that, you know what it's called, the the more you indict yourself. Um, I I think it would take like a, I don't know. It seems like it would take a week and a half, two weeks. It's not something you seem like you'd want to stretch on forever, but given how slow the exchange of information has been thus far, uh, I I feel like it's going to be more than a week. I don't think it's going to be done by like Friday or anything like that. Um, it it does seem like this proposal would probably have more legs to than the revenue split that they were uh, offering. So hopefully it doesn't result in this long drawn out thing. But I still think it's it's going to be June before we really know, um, really have an idea of uh, of when games will start. But I would think that people would start returning to complexes. Pretty much immediately. Uh, I know that some clubs already have guys like who are coming into the stadium or in the complex and obviously, uh, you know, White Sox example of this would be that if you were rehabbing injury like Carlos Radon uh, or Michael Kopech, you're kind of still allowed to go into the facility and, and get your throwing in or do your workout in in some sort of distance manner like, you know, Jake Berger is still allowed to work out um, because he's technically an injury rehabber, so... Stuff like that won't take too long to start getting in place, as far as guys uh, training and ramping up. But uh, I think we won't have like an official like schedule of any kind um, before the next episode of White Sox Business, surely. But maybe by the 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 second episode from now, which would be a week from today, which would be
0: June first.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's probably wishful thinking, but God, do we need topics? Uh, all right, folks, if
0: you're listening, that's that's the that's the headline grabber. At the Athletics, James Feigen guarantees we'll know by June first what's going to happen. God Boom! Damn it! <laughs> tweet it out. Tweet it to everybody. Print up the graphics. Whoever Cam, make a note. Graphic: James Feigen guarantees baseball by June first. Yeah, no, we we've talked about it a little bit. It's it's you understand why both sides want to negotiate, but at some point they have to come to the conclusion that you know they need to worry more about the long term impacts of not having a season would have than how much they stand to lose this year and i understand if you're a player clearly it's like yeah you know I, I have to worry about the long-term impact of the game and the guys that come after me but i also need to pay you know my mortgage now and live my life too so it's in the owners same way but mm,
1: probably some cousin and brother-in-law's mortgage they've been signed up to uh cover
0: you know yeah you got to support family but it's it's but it's you look at it and i feel like I don't know. I just I just think that MLB could really, really damage itself if it screws this up.
1: Yeah, I mean there's no I don't like on the same hand this they're trying to resume play in a situation that's like so much worse than like every other league like the KBO or the Japanese league which is not restarting until June. The, like the situation they're trying to restart in the middle is like so much more unsettled and So much more chaotic and they have to basically, like, the KBO is relying on the fact that essentially that you can walk around in public and be normal because the virus is under control. Whereas they are trying to build their little bubble in the sky that's not going to be infected by uh, a a virus that's basically still in play across the country. Like, nothing's really fundamentally changed that positively from the situation that made them shut down the season to begin with. If anything, it's, you know, it's more widespread. So I feel like it's a lot harder, but I, yeah, I would agree that while I think people are more understanding that it's hard to restart in this situation than, say, the 94 strike, I don't think a labor dispute being the heart of it would reflect well. And it also just would maybe it wasn't even proactively damage um, the sport as much as just a huge missed opportunity to kind of take um, really control of really undivided national attention.
0: You want to kick the coffee habit, but you're worried about your energy levels. To avoid the morning sluggishness and that midday slump, you need to make sure you're hydrated. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant's backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You could save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com athletic. That's drinkhydrant.com slash athletic for 25% off your first order. We've got a little news and notes segment here on the rundown because there really is no news. So we're breaking down a whole bunch of different topics today, James. Uh, Jason Stark wrote about something that we kind of talked about last week, you know, our our random topic that you stole from Margulis. Uh, He wrote about the shortened season along the lines of, you know, like, how will people view it? Like, he, he... he wrote about, you know, what we talked about. Like if the Cleveland Indians win the World Series this year and end their drought, will there, will it be, you know, kinda cheap? Like and he talked to the quote from Bob Costas when he had on the, the Starkville podcast, which is produced by some asshole. Your fave. Yeah. Um <laughs> Costas had said that he kinda hopes the Indians don't win the World Series because of that, like people will use it against him. Whereas That sounds like some Stark- weird thing he would say. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> as Stark quickly said, with Bob Costas is the only one who feels this way because he talked to Terry Francona, he talked to players, he talked to every, a bunch of other people around baseball who all said, "No, of course they, of course the Indians will want to win the World Series. It'll still count." And he brought up how in like in 1981 the Dodgers won the World Series, but that was a shortened season that had been broken up into two halves. And had it been a regular full season, the Dodgers would not have been in the playoffs because they didn't have the best record in their division, but they had the best record in the second half. And then they went on to win the World Series, but nobody thinks of it that way now. They just say, oh, yeah, the Dodgers won the World Series in 1981. And that's not the same exact situation as what we're facing now because it's going to be kind of hard for to imagine people forgetting the way the 2020 season was just because of everything going on that you know caused it to happen. But
1: uh, I mean, everyone – I don't think Everyone, they're, well, i are gonna remember in 2070 or anything. Like until that.
0: we're dead, yeah. Like in, in 2120, nobody's gonna remember.
1: Like, I don't know, it's hard to remember
0: when the next big flu comes, because it comes every hundred years, apparently.
1: Like uh off the top of your head, who won the twenty thirteen World Series?
0: Uh the uh phew, shit. I don't know. I have an idea.
1: What's your idea?
0: I think it was the uh, Cardinals. No, they were in it. Yeah, they were. Was it the Red Sox that year? Yeah, it was like okay. the
1: last big poppy season.
0: There we go. See, I, kn- I knew it was going to be one of those. It was. It was going to be one of three teams. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, not That's his last just... season, but his last title.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so he also wrote about like he talked to Joey Votto too about you know like say Votto hits four hundred, right? <laughs> and it's like it doesn't does seem it count? like the way
1: he's trending, but go ahead.
0: No, but does it count? Like, cause it's like, okay, if he's the first, it's technically it's a full season. And I thought that was one one thing we didn't really discuss as far as because we talked about it from what it would mean to me if the White Sox won the World Series, if it would cheap it to me, and it wouldn't. But I do think the statistical argument is kind of is kind of more interesting because you know nobody's going to set like a home run record or one of the counting stat records. Well, if in they a did, they're season. cool as hell. That would be awesome. <laughs> But from like the rate statistics, like that, where it's like if somebody goes out and hits 405, how do we view that?
1: Or like a sub one ERA.
0: Yeah. And, and Votto said in the article, he's like, well, Stark said if you could, if you were able to talk to Ted Williams about it, he says, what do you think Ted Williams would think? And he's like, oh, I know Ted Williams would think it, you know, it doesn't count. But Ted Williams isn't, not everybody's Ted Williams because, you know, he's not exactly the. History suggests he's not the most friendliest person that ever played the um, game of baseball.
1: He's dead, so the problem yeah, is somewhat minimized.
0: So he's he's much more amenable now to conversation. I don't but, know what
1: the frozen head is saying, but
0: <laughs> but seriously though, how if somebody hit four hundred, how would you view it?
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's not as significant. It's yeah, it's, it's it's all about sustaining that over a six month grind, which is like yeah, it's like. Paul Canerco hit 400 into May, and then he was toast afterwards. And so, yeah, it it wouldn't be as meaningful to me. I don't know if I'd put, like, an asterisk around it because it's already just more of, like, a concept than it is a particular, like, barrier or, like, a... I don't know if there's, like, a title or some plaque in the Hall of Fame for guys who hit 400. Um, But, yeah, it wouldn't be as meaningful. It's a really cool first half. I feel like when Tony Wynn was, like, flirting with it one year.
0: That was 94. And that season was also shortened, but the problem was it
1: never ended, so
0: <laughs> that didn't count. Uh, okay, well, moving on. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I th- it would be weird, but I, I, I don't think there should be an asterisk. I don't think there should ever be asterisks in your record books or your your historical whatever. Just people will know. Um, like any time that it's brought up that Joey Votto hit 405 in 2020 or whoever did it, they'll say it was a shortened season. It's not like you need to put the asterisk.
1: Well, in there. like is is one thing of like Votto does it, but like what if like what if Adam Engel does it? Yeah, what if somebody who's not distinguished otherwise? Oh
0: well, if Adam <laughs> Engel does it, I guarantee you. Well, then it becomes like almost, I will consider it valid.
1: <laughs> well, then it becomes like this legend of its own because this wacky, like crazy thing that happened. Yeah.
0: It'll be a thirty for thirty at some point.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be gold. I would, I would try to write a book about it.
0: Call it all the angles.
1: <laughs> Call it um, all the angles.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the next one. Then uh, your your colleague at the Athletic Chicago. He uh, talk all he the time. A, he spent a thousand dollars on autographed baseballs because you guys last week at the Athletic was what memorabilia week? Yes. So, like, he went and bought $1,000 worth of baseballs. Now, my first question was, was this an, was, was he expensed for this, or was this out of his own pocket?
1: I I, I don't, un, like, Scott has, like, a young kid. What is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> if you read what he wrote, he's like,
0: he, he writes it. It's kind of addicting. Like, you get in on this auction, and it's even, you, you tell yourself that there's a limit as far as you're going to go. But then when somebody beats that limit, you still want to win. So, you kind
1: of just keep going. I am. I'm just deeply worried about Scott. Like this is, at some point, like hockey was, uh, you know, filling in for some sort of like unquenchable thirst, or hole that he's filling his life, and now it's being filled with, um, uh, literally baseballs. Well, to to, here's
0: the he bought a bunch of baseballs. They all came together as a package. They're all autographed balls, including guys like Bob Feller, Tony Gwynn. Cal Ripken, Juan Marichal, Eno Slaughter, Fergie Jenkins, David Johnson, Billy Williams, the Griffies, Ken Jr. and Sr., Fred Lynn, Boog Powell, Burt Blylevin, Hoyt Wilhelm, Frank Thomas, Gaylord Perry, Raphael Pomero, Tom Seaver, Raleigh Fingers, a bunch of guys. And I'm bringing it up just simply because he is uh, he's auctioning them off, or not really auctioning them off, but he's raising money with them himself. He says he spent over, you know, a little more than $1,000 and he wants to give away a majority of them and raise money for the COVID-19 charity while doing so. So if you're interested in one of those balls, you could donate to the United Way fundraiser he has going on there's a link in the store you can get there through the athletic if you want and even if you don't donate you could just email him at scott at the athletic.com and let him know that you'd like to be entered into the drawings and beginning on monday june 1st which is also the day that james says baseball will be back (laughs) he will be giving away one ball for at least 15 days
1: is it is it 60s and 70s boog pile or is it recent failed a's prospect boog pile
0: i'm hoping it's 60s and 70s (laughs) all right but, yeah, I just, I just wanted to let the listeners know that if, you know, they're interested, they could do that. Do you have any autographed baseballs, James? Do you have any memorabilia?
1: I don't have a – well, oh, I have some answers to this question. Um, I ha- I was given, like, an autographed Ernie Banks ball that I think I still have around somewhere. Or is Wow, that
0: on, look at this trader.
1: That was – like, I, I wasn't thrilled to have it or anything like that. But I, I think it's How like, much
0: did you bid for it? Twenty thousand dollars. Literally,
1: just was given it to me, but like my mother came home with it, like saying some friend had given it to her. So like it's in some case, I had um, I I had some like patio package or some some situation where I was like at a socks game like really early when I was a kid, and No uh Garcia Par was just like pounding home runs uh to right field, um in batting practice, and I was trying to like. I was in like the we had access to like the little bullpen area, and I was trying to like get uh, a batting practice home run and uh these two other kids like bowled me over going after one, and like I cut open my knee and it was like bleeding um from the from the dirt in the 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 visitor's bullpen and <laughs> Guaranteed great field uh but I eventually got an, a, another one later after they they walked off with the prize that they had overwhelmed me physically to acquire. Um, and the other the other piece of memorabilia I have is the, uh, the 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 quilt I told you of of all my old shirts and jerseys <laughs> that my uh, my mother's best friend and my former pediatrician uh, <laughs> wove together, and she made that for me when I think I when I left to college when I was eighteen because in that quilt still to this day is my Esteban Loiza jersey which I had submitted like yeah go ahead and cut it up because he got traded for Jose Contreras. Um, so that that's what I think dates it. That was after when I was seventeen, because Loiza was still on the team in 04. Um, and so that that that's probably my most most, most you. That's, that's the piece of memorabilia that I probably have around most uh most frequently.
0: When your pediatrician cut that Esteban Loiza jersey, she was surprised to find inside a kilo of pure uncut heroin. <laughs>
1: that, that's <laughs> who just, knew. That's just being courteous.
0: <laughs> you know, james was working for us to the wise of the whole time guys i've got i mean i i'm not like a huge collector although i do have a bunch of white Sox bobbleheads from like you know giveaways
1: oh yeah same the last i years. have i have three black hawks
0: pucks one for each stanley cup title with like you know the whatever on them uh i've got a white Sox bowling pin that my dad got somehow that he gave to me and then as far as autographed baseballs i've got I've got a few that I don't really have any use for because they were through like the mystery baseball. So like I've got the uh, I've got your beloved Kevin Smith on an autograph yeah, some, a baseball somewhere. Actually, you know where Kevin Smith is? Kevin Smith is the baseball I put in the case for the autographed Frank Thomas bat that I have. But I have the ball turned so you don't see the signature. <laughs>
1: what? Because- what an in- what an indignity!
0: Because it's a signed Frank Thomas bat in a bat case, but there's a spot for a baseball in it too. And why would I have Kevin Smith's autograph showing in the Frank Thomas bat case?
1: But that's the most. Why doesn't he have his own case, his own display? (laughs) Because he's Kevin Smith.
0: And I needed a ball for the case, or else it would have looked weird with like a big open spot in it. But that is the most I've ever spent on a piece of memorabilia. And I actually got that in an auction through the White Sox website. That was. Not as much as Scott spent on some baseballs, but it was a decent chunk. Uh, other autographed baseballs I have, which I got through, one through the Mystery and then three just buying. I've got the Jermaine Dye, which I got through a Mystery Baseball. I got a Joe Creedy autographed baseball. I got a Yoen Moncada autographed baseball. And I've got a Paul Canerco autographed baseball. And then I have a bunch of rookie cards of like my favorite players. I've always kind of bought those. All in mint condition in like the plastic casings. I got an autographed Frank Thomas rookie card.
1: I've I don't know if the Kevin Smith ball is still in mint condition when you consider how you've disgraced the baseball it with your cards, treatment. You son
0: of a bitch. The baseball cards. I've got a Mark Burley rookie card. I've got a Robin Ventura rookie card because I still love him as a player. Even if I hated him as a manager. I've got a Joe Creedy rookie card and I've got a Chris Sale rookie card. And you can hear them all in their plastic casings.
1: So you're saying when sports are done forever and we're both unemployed, uh, you'll you'll be able to uh, fence these and maybe feed yourself another extra couple of months?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the Frank Thomas signed card and bat, that's got to be at least one mortgage, right?
1: Yeah. You have a mortgage?
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, no. I stole this house and I've been squatting in it.
1: <laughs> All right. I forgot you have a house. That must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> It has its it has its pluses and minuses,
0: um. So yeah, that's it's like that's Kevin re- Smith. <laughs> no, not really. many pluses, honestly? If, come on, I know you love them, but let's be real. All right. Uh, moving on. The Athletic also wrote because now last week was memorabilia week, and this week apparently is sports shows week, TV movie week, or whatever.
1: Right. I don't right. Know. That's that's why we did our draft. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. i I like to think that we did that draft last week, and then somebody at The Athletic was like, ooh, there's an idea.
1: Uh, I would inform you that they've been trying to come up with themed weeks uh, nonstop for about two months straight now. And it's uh, it hasn't gotten old.
0: <laughs> they, this week, they they ranked sports TV shows, right? Fra- their favorite scripted sports shows. And there's one of two things that I take away from this list. It's either one – sports television shows are awful and there haven't been any good ones (laughs) or this is just a horrible list
1: (laughs) i was not a sports night fan i'll put that out there
0: yeah friday night lights is number one which i agree with lynn and i are re-watching it right now and we're in season two which is far and away the worst season because that was like the year of the writer's strike right and this was just like the, it turned into a straight up soap opera in season 2 it's all sorts of crazy shit happening and characters not acting anything like they would have based on how they who they were in the first season so i
1: i would say that you know all things mean equal like yes it was bad but just that but it was still it, decent in the longer like view of the show that one character just randomly did a murder that never gets talked about again Landry, I, I, I think, I think, yeah, Landry. It wasn't murder; it was
0: manslaughter, and it was in self-defense. He but caught yes. a body,
1: and he just went white right back, right back yes. to being a high school kicker. Yes
0: yeah, and, and also he's on the football team all of a sudden too. Whereas in season one, Landry's you know most noted as being Saracen's best friend, who thinks that all the football players are assholes and can't stand football. But then by the next year, he's like, hell yeah, I'm trying out for the team, and I'm going to murder a guy.
1: Uh, like how how pressure packed is the field goal situation for this guy who like literally killed the person.
0: But see that's that's the big one but here the, there are other things in this season where it's like uh Jason Street goes to Mexico to get some shark stem cells. Right. <laughs> to get his spine fixed. There's just it's all sorts of weird shit. There's the one kid the uh, Santiago that it's like a is juvenile delinquent who got out of juvie and moves in with Buddy Garrity and plays the football team. And then all of a sudden, after he gets on the football team, but it's like a big storyline. You never hear or see him again. He's just gone like Landry's murder. <laughs> it's just a jumbled he's, mess. He's but,
1: in the transfer portal.
0: Yeah. Season two. Just get through it. If you've never watched Friday Night Lights, season one will hook you in. Season two, you'll be like. Uh this this doesn't make any sense, but just get through it. You gotta watch it because there's stuff you need to know, but just get through it and get to season three. Oh, and Riggins moves in with that meth dealer.
1: Which just seems normal, really. Which
0: <laughs> just, just decides to steal money from him. Oh yeah, that's smart. The guy that held the shotgun to your chest while you were sleeping and woke you up with it as a joke. Steal money
2: from that guy. Hey fellow business, it's Cam. Here to tell you about Hawthorne. Get acquainted with your better-smelling self with help from Hawthorne. Hawthorne uses study-backed research to pair you with grooming products based off your skin, hair, and scent-based needs. By answering Hawthorne's quick quiz, no need to cheat, it's really easy, guys, you'll be matched with cologne, shampoos, deodorants, and other wonderful smell-centric wares. It's like a dating app for your nose, except you're never going to get left on read. And Hawthorne offers free shipping and free returns. Okay, so it's not exactly like a dating app, but their quiz does do a fantastic job of honing in on your specific smelling needs. Look, I tend to sweat when I work out and watch cops, and because of the staining power my perspiration possesses, the splotches on my shirts leave me embarrassed. Hawthorne saved the day, though, by curating a selection of personalized body products, including a stain-free deodorant. Take that, sweat. Plus, Hawthorne pinpoints a pair, not just one, Of colognes that are tailored to you based off your workspace, personality, and how you choose to use your free time. That's why my work cologne is fresh and aquatic, so I don't offend my dogs' noses. And my placent is aromatic and witty. Check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E, and .co, not .com, Hawthorne.co, and use my promo code athletic to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorn.co and use the promo code athletic to get 10% off your first purchase.
0: Yeah, but number 2 on the list is a show that you mentioned that you said you don't like and I'm with you, Sports Night.
1: Yeah, oh. like the, as a kid um just the suggestion of like what if all the guys that you watch on Sports Center and uh, enjoy were really pretentious and in their own heads all the time that wasn't like a fun in like, an Aaron ifs.
0: Sorkin show
1: w- wasn't like a fun what if scenario for me to explore I, I didn't enjoy it I, I probably would have enjoyed it more if I was 20 but maybe still not that much it's like
0: the thing is it's like an Aaron Sorkin show where it's it's supposed to be about sports but it also feels like they're saying that you know sports they're, they're better than sports <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean very,
1: very thick vibe of that yes
0: yeah, it's like okay, but so many people fucking love it. I'm just like,
1: maybe a lot of if, people think they're better than sports.
0: But th- that's what I don't get because there's so much. Like when it comes to Aaron Sorkin shows, whether it's like The West Wing or you know, like the what was the HBO News one show called?
1: Uh, the, the, the
0: the network or whatever the fuck it was called. Whatever. Oh, that show the was. newsroom. Yeah, the newsroom.
1: Oh boy, heard about that yeah. way too much at work.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like there's so many people that. The same people that think all those shows are like super condescending or super, you know, like triacly or too idealistic and just like Aaron Sorkin writing a fantasy to himself. Then I'll talk about how Sports Night is great. And I'm like, no, Sports Night's the exact same fucking way as those other shows. It's just about sports. So therefore, you think it's better. That's all it is.
1: Yeah. I I cringed at all the reporters at my TV station who thought that the newsroom was great. There's No. Nope. Yeah. We're, Number three on the we're list. We're reporting list on the- traffic half the time, guys. Yeah.
0: Number number three was The White Shadow, which was a CBS show from nineteen seventy eight to nineteen eighty one that I'd never heard of, and it was before my time. You on never this heard Earth.
1: of? You never read a single Bill Simmons column ever in life?
0: I've read plenty of Bill Simmons, but I was not like a Bill Simmons acolyte, like I'm just so saying
1: that he mentions it every single time. Oh
0: i if I had to if I had to keep track, yeah, but here's the thing. he mentions the White Shadow in a column with eighty five other pop culture references, so it's hard to keep track of which ones I read about, yeah, just- but i I don't know anything about this show other than what I read in the little recap here, and maybe it was good. It's just I feel like if it's the third greatest sports show of all time, I probably would have heard about it <laughs> more than I have uh fourth is Brockmeyer, which okay
1: did no, you watch brockmeyer no i've like watched the first couple episodes um yeah
0: and that was enough it's not that it wasn't funny it was just it was like okay
1: i'll probably dive into it at some point it seems like it gets going a bit more uh as it goes along but we we don't seem like we're a great audience for this <laughs> it's just it, I, I don't know where it,
0: it was funny it made me laugh but it was just one of those things it's like okay well where does this go how does this become like a you know show with people I'm gonna give a shit about. So I kind of just gave up on it. But maybe, maybe it gets better. Uh Eastbound and Down was at number five, which I will admit some episodes, some moments of that show were fucking hilarious. And I loved them and it kept me watching it. But if that's the fifth greatest sports show of all time, then I think it leads to the fact of what my first thought was is maybe there just really haven't been very many good sports shows because that was very hit or miss.
1: Yeah, I would say that my favorite uh eastbound and down memory was it a gif of kenny powers running out uh in the american flag and like doing finger guns at everybody being yes. being ryan burr's like pin wheat for two years <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's like most danny mcbride things where it's some of it's fucking hysterical and the rest of you just kind of like okay whatever uh number six was a show i did watch growing up and a show i liked but i was also very young coach
1: which yeah, is, yeah. Uh, I I, I remember coach. watching it a ton, but I it was so long ago. I can't tell you much about it.
0: Yeah, I I would like it for nostalgic reasons, but <clears throat> again, I was I was like you know ten, eleven, twelve. Uh, the league, which was a show which I thought was funny for like a season, and then I thought it kind of dropped off after year two, so I stopped watching it. Did you ever watch it?
1: Not really. Mm. It seemed like there was a lot of yelling. Yeah,
0: our list was at eight. Is on HBO, which you
1: know we don't tolerate here.
0: <laughs> I never watched our List. I don't even know if I had HBO during the years our List was on, so that make that would make it hard for me to watch.
1: Uh, I think my dad watched it occasionally, but I was like nine and I didn't get it. <laughs> it is number funny nine. that funny that Arm Tellum is a real dude. That, to discover <laughs> that later in life was fun.
0: <laughs> uh, number nine is Glow. I would recommend awesome. that. I like Glow. I've only watched the first season,
1: but I like. I, I, would, I it. would. It's funny that that's the first one. I'm like, oh, I like that show because like I don't watch any wrestling in real life at all, ever.
0: Yeah, well, I'll talk to you about some of. The, we'll we'll talk off air about something about Glow. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it for anything. Yeah, I, um,
1: I I think I've already figured it out.
0: Yeah, uh, number ten, Speed Racer, which I I don't know. Okay, that. sure. <laughs> number eleven, Ballers, which is a horrible show. <laughs> A fucking horrible horrible show uh number 12 is cobra kai which is a show i didn't know existed apparently it's on youtube tv but it is about cobra kai it's like it's johnny lawrence and daniel larusso as grown-ups maybe i read a review strange. of it How, what was the review
1: it was positive
0: all right well maybe maybe we'll give it a shot uh, Playmakers is at number thirteen, which was ESPN's like NFL show that got canceled by the NFL. Literally,
1: <laughs> it, I, unsurprising if you watched it. I watched it, it every week as a kid,
0: and uh, it was super realistic. That's for sure. I definitely thought, like, like,
1: wow, these dudes are straight up doing coke at halftime. That's crazy. It's like basically every
0: if if you think of any negative headline about the NFL in the past twenty years, if that was every episode, but turned up to fifteen. <laughs> that that was what Playmakers was It's like everybody in the NFL is a horrible human being Who does horrible things all the time
1: Well like uh, the, there's like this whole subplot of I don't know like the, the guy The older li- running back who's getting displaced by Omar Gooding Who's younger and does coke all the time mm-hmm. But he's like still effective But they're unfairly pushing him out But I'm playing like Madden Like franchise mode all the time And you're always like in the draft and like scouting guys There's some point where they throw a line like Oh, he's still he's running like a 4.740. I'm like, damn, he is too slow. They should be pushing him out. <laughs> Screw this guy. <laughs> he
0: should be doing more coke if he's still only running a 4.7. Jesus Christ. Uh, 14 was All-American. I've never seen it. I already know I'm not going to mm-hmm. like it. And David Oven, who wrote the the caption on it, the Tennessee beat reporter for The Athletic, pretty much says he only hate watches it. So why would you put that on your list? Uh, Maybe celebrity it's just death not a match. good choice. Yeah. Celebrity Deathmatch. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I would consider that a scripted sports show. 16 is Pitch. I never saw it, but a lot of people I know who did watch it said it was good.
1: Uh, I watched all of it. Um, I, it was interesting. I wanted to keep going. Um, I I probably wanted to go like deeper. I, I felt like it started becoming more of a... Like, they never tell you, like, what, like, her ERA is or, like, how well she's, like, your concept of how well she's doing or how good of a pitcher is, like, is, isn't is really explored. They're always trying to do, like, this kind of, like, behind-the-scenes the drama. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I was just so interested in the concept of, like, how well she's doing as basically, like, because the, the premise is, like, what if there's a a woman pitcher, and she basically has to rely on a screwball, like some a pitch you don't see anymore, to, to stay in the majors. And so for me, like, all right, that's an interesting concept. Like, could someone basically be a knuckleballer or some sort of, like, weird, different look and overcome not having as much velocity as other people? It, it's like, a, I, I'm intrigued by the, the scenario that the show is presenting of what if a woman pitcher could make it in MLB. But they do just, like, say, like, well, uh, actually, she trained all her life and she can sit 85 with her fastballs. Like, oh, well, yeah. If there's, like, I think the biggest problem is we don't know how hard women can throw because there's not actually any infrastructure for women's baseball. So they never get the kind of velocity training to actually say for sure, like, oh, women can't throw as hard as men. They can't throw as hard uh, enough to stick in the majors because we don't know because they're trained to be softball pitchers. They're pushed into that. There's not actually... Opportunity It'd be one thing if, like, there was women's baseball and it just like we saw it all the time, and it was on the level of women's basketball, and they just weren't as good. And you you can't compete, but we literally don't allow women that chance. Um, but this show just says the premise of, like, oh yeah, she throws 85, and it's like, yeah, well, if she could throw 85, she could make in the majors. But past like the first episode, when they introduce the fact that she's in the league, they don't really explore how good she is in any like way that you can really understand. And that, mm. as a baseball writer, is what's most interesting to me. But they kind of just made it more of a typical like melodrama from there on out. There's like, at, like she makes the team as a fifth starter in spring training, and then at some point she's just in the All Star game. But they don't really like tell us the results of her starts, like game to game. Um, and then are they
0: implying that she's only there for the novelty?
1: There's definitely an implication, and definitely it's the perception of her teammates that she made the All Star game out of novelty. And obviously she's fighting against the concept that she's there out of novelty the entire time that she's in the league. But they don't count counterbalance that with like literally telling us if like she's a good pitcher or not, which I found frustrating and maybe mostly kind of non-committal and cowardly of the show to not really like because that's what the if a, if a woman pitcher was in baseball, she'd be constantly getting super scrutinized for like every flaw in her game. So the fact that the show kind of elides that. Like it, it made it disappointing to me. And then they had her, uh um, like the the se- the season, and it gets canceled afterwards. Ends on the cliffhanger, her like seeming to be hurt, uh, like she's like grimacing and holding her elbow on the ground after like feeling a bunt. And then that's how the that's how the show ends, and there's never another episode. Uh, so my my joke was that she's on the Padres, is that you know Preller. Pulls off a trade with her to Boston, <laughs> even, though even though her even though her elbow shot, that would be season two. It's just her in rehab uh, after getting like dumped on another team. But we'll never know. I
0: think that they ended it that way as a commentary to say that they don't believe women are as physically capable as men. So go after the writers, folks. Go get them.
1: So like, yeah, the Nicole Arbuck in the write-up talks about how um, complex the character was, and they talked about the challenges. They did a lot to like flesh that out of like what there would be behind the scenes, but. I was frustrated they kind of did that in sacrifice of literally like any like any approach of like how physically difficult this would be or how much should be scrutinized for performance. It's just all kind of weird little plot lines that don't really talk about baseball results. I got
0: to say, I did not go into our show today thinking that we would spend five minutes talking about pitch.
1: I have a lot of pitch thoughts. All right.
0: You do. You do. And I appreciate them. I've never seen it, so I can't really tell you. Uh, we'll round out the list. There are four more as a top 20. 17 was Hanging with Mr. Cooper, which was a show I watched as a kid on TGIF, but that was not a sports show just because no, it not had a all. person who played sports in it. 18 was Scooby's Laugh Olympics. Okay. What is that? Ninete- I have no idea. <laughs> 19 was Hang Time, which is the show that originally had Reggie Theus playing the coach of the basketball team, and he was replaced by Dick Butkus, which was a what show a that, that you'd transition? watch on Saturday morning. Yeah. And then number twenty was a show I did watch and that I did like. It was from David Milch, the guy who had written Deadwood and NYPD Blue, and it was called Luck. It was about and Carnival, mm-hmm. and Carnival. And I thought it was a good show, but it got canceled after all the season, horses I think, died because the horses were dying. Yeah, yeah. so that's a good reason, I suppose, to cancel the show. It's just I'm kind of mad at the horses. Maybe toughen up a little bit.
1: You're mad at literal cast members dying? No, no, the horses. But the show was about the horses, so aren't they dying? No, the like, show was about the people. Wasn't, James. wasn't the dying like kind of like if wow. members of the cast started dropping dead?
0: <laughs> well, if members of the cast started dropping dead, they wouldn't stop the show, would they? What does that make
1: you Maybe think? They would.
0: I don't think they would. I think they would just write it into the script. <laughs> Which that's. I just think that I, I understand it, but I think it's funny. If 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 some horses die, we got to cancel the show. If one of the actors of the show dies, oh, we can go on. We don't need them. <laughs> but anyways yeah uh so that's the list um i and again i don't know if this is just a really bad list or if sports television shows are just this bad if if there's some shows that i'm not thinking of that were left off this list let me let james and i know on twitter T- tweet us both tweet everybody tweet tweet rihanna tweet james tweet beyonce tweet oprah tweet everybody let them know the shows i would tweet rihanna
1: because i usually get my cues from her
0: mm-hmm Although Rihanna will not let you tag her in a tweet by the way with a photo in it because I've tried.
1: I mean that's that's just standard protocol.
0: <laughs> Cuz like when I tweet when I tweet the links for like the the episodes and I tag, you know, like the photo with you, you so you see it. I've also tried to tag like Rihanna to see if she'd retweet it but she doesn't allow it. So that's how I learned that. Uh well we were going to we were going to play Tenty questions but we've spent a lot of time already so I think we'll save that for Thursday. So let's get to shout outs. My shout out is to the crazy guy that was walking his dog yesterday as I was walking Frankie. Because, you know, I'm sitting there. I got my mask on. I got my headphones in. And he's coming this way towards me on the sidewalk. I'm coming the other way. So I get off the sidewalk and I go to the curb as we pass. And I, I, I could hear him talk to me, though. I can't hear what he's saying. So I take the headphones out and I'm like, excuse me. And he said, that's a very pretty dog. And I said, thank you. Now, I call this guy crazy, not because of that, but just looking at him. You know how you see some people and you're like, oh, that dude's crazy?
1: Uh, Sure, I guess.
0: Well, you looked at this person <laughs> and you thought, this person's crazy. And at first he says, you I have mean, a very pretty dog. Mental
1: health is a very serious issue in this country.
0: <laughs> and he says, you have a pretty dog. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's a normal sane comment. And I says, thank you. And then he said... Don't take it to the park, on Brynmar Bryn Mawr and uh Brynmar and uh what I call it the fuck Sheridan because that park poisoned my dog there's, now
1: there, there there's no park on Bryn Mawr and Sheridan that's think. that's part I mean, of it. He's supposed talking about like the like the little grassy field before you pull onto Lakeshore Drive
0: exactly, and that's what I'm trying to figure out because did he mean like Edgewater Park, which is right there? that you just discussed or did he mean the edgewater dog park which is actually east of lake short drive but on that same plane so i don't know which park it was but what's more interesting to me is that he said the park poisoned his dog
1: <laughs> like, well like obviously the thing that's just taken in stride is like oh yeah i'm heading over there i was going to poison this dog
0: yeah, <laughs> but, but what I need to know, and I didn't want to ask, was like, wait, did, did the park actually, like, the park got together and said, let's poison this person's dog? Or did the dog eat something that was at the park that he shouldn't have? Did somebody at the park poison the dog? I need to know who did the poisoning and what the poisoning was, because I got to say, James, the dog looked fine.
1: Oh, he had his dog with him.
0: Yes. <laughs> Because he pointed to the doggy, said the park poisoned her,
1: and it wasn't like there was there used to be two dogs or anything like that.
0: Yeah, so maybe it wasn't like poison that kills you. Maybe it was like poisoning the dog's mind with politics. I don't
1: know. Oh, about. like uh, the the dogs become radicalized.
0: Mm-hmm. But it was after after he said that, I said, "All right, good to know. Thank you." And I just kept walking because I didn't. Part of me wanted to continue the conversation a lot, but other part of me was like, just just move along. <laughs> Who's your shout out to?
1: Uh, I was gonna like think of like I'm always using sarcastic shout outs or talking about uh, stuff that happened on a video game that's not real. Um, but um, my sister works, or it's not my sister, my sister in law, my wife's sister, works at a Georgia Aquarium, and they successfully guided a, their beluga whale through a uh, delivery of a new. I don't, I don't know what they call it. A new whale, I guess. Whale baby. Uh, um, so I, I, I think that requires like ridiculous like overnight shifts. And she has to like make sure the baby doesn't drown and stuff like that. And it's like a whole big thing that uh, I know she worked really hard on. So uh, shout out to her for getting through that successfully since I, I know it doesn't work every time. So it's I think it's probably going to be on like Good Morning America or some crap like that.
0: That's cool.
1: <laughs>
0: you think you could have done it?
1: No. Uh I I'm a decent swimmer, but I probably would have been late to react to like something like being able to recognize if the calf can like eat or
0: breathe. I was hoping you would say that yeah, you could definitely do it.
1: Well, um thanks for your uh your encouragement. Um I've I've been to told it'll James. be on Animal Planet, not Good Morning America. I want to tell you something, James. You can't do it, and you know why? Oh, man. Come on. I was just dreaming that it was possible.
0: No. You know why you can't? Because you don't believe in yourself, James. And Uh, if you don't think you can do
1: it,
0: you're not going to be able to do it. I need you to be a little more confident. I need you to believe in yourself. Because you know what, James? You're capable of anything. I mean, you can't fly. Like murder? Yeah, like Landry did. (laughs) If Landry could kill a dude, James, I think you could kill multiple people. (laughs) Holy
1: crap. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could poison them all at a park.
0: <laughs> yeah. now, there you go. See, now you've got something to do for the rest of your holiday, James. You got you got plans for the evening. So you know, you go you go put together a plan. And you go take care of it. And on Thursday, when we're back, maybe James won't be here. Maybe James will be in prison. But if he's not in prison, we'll talk to him about the White Sox, all the people he's killed, and anything else that might come up. Thanks for listening.